Hey everyone, and welcome back to Black and Cold, a true crime podcast for the overshadowed. I am your host, Michelle, and I am back this week with a new episode. Y'all, I cannot believe it is March already, which means that B&C has officially been out for two years now. This podcast is still small, but I am still kicking and I am very proud. And I just want to say thank you to all of my listeners, especially my day ones that have been tuning in. Please continue to spread the word on this show. Subscribe, rate, leave a review. I am definitely not only working on future episodes, but I am hoping to make a few rebranding changes soon. So that will all come with time, hopefully sooner than later, but just be on the lookout for that. If you would like to submit any case suggestions in, you can do so via the link in the description of this episode. And last thing, to keep up with any updates, you already know you can follow me on Instagram and that's at black underscore cold underscore podcast. Today's episode comes out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, when a magnetic artist just vanishes within her own city. Her disappearance definitely has some unusual circumstances around it. It has brought together much of her community, which they all have conducted searches, held vigils. But after just about three years of looking, there is still no sign of this bright young woman. Today, I will be telling you about the vanishing of Toni Turner. From the day that Tony Turner was born on June 10th, 1997, her family knew she was destined to be a creative individual. As a child, Tony immediately found this love for art, and her older sister Sydney stated that she would basically use anything as a canvas to express herself. Tony got caught multiple times drawing on the walls as a kid, and sometimes she would even doodle on her own skateboard. Originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Tony and her sisters grew up in what seems to be a very joyful household full of positive women. One of Sydney's earlier interviews was actually with the Red Rum Blonde podcast, and she explained to the host that her and her sisters grew up with both their mother and their grandmother. She went on to say that her and Tony experienced a very happy childhood and that they learned many different takeaways from both generations of women in their home. According to her loved ones, Tony's personality was known to be kind-hearted and loving, but she also had this very outgoing, bubbly side to her as well. Sydney described that her sister is someone that people automatically seem to gravitate to, and that's because Tony just made it easy for people to be around her. By the time she reached her 20s, Tony would continue practicing her love of art in so many different types of forms. She would become a full-time metal fabricator at a local shop in Braddock, 
called Studebaker Medals, and she was also a children's ceramics teacher at Carnegie Library, also in the neighborhood of Braddock. Besides these two sources of incomes coming in, she still continued doing her own additional creativity in her spare time. Tony enjoyed making jewelry, she loved dancing, and she even found herself dabbling into carpentry. With her love of so many different art styles, Tony grew to meet many people with the same passions as her, and she developed many friends because of this. So prior to her disappearance, Tony was actually living with her boyfriend in the Pittsburgh area of Hazelwood which is not far from where she worked in Braddock. Now, her and her boyfriend, it seems they weren't really on the same page anymore during this time. And according to Sydney's interview with the Red Rum Blonde podcast, him and Tony were going through constant makeups and breakups, which was clearly a sign for some type of trouble in paradise. Because of this, Tony began a transitional phase and she was in the process of starting to like separate herself from him and move out. And you know, breakups are never easy for anyone. From what I've gathered from listening to Sydney, who is such an advocate for her sister, by the way, Tony was trying to find herself during this time. She was still trying to figure out who she is, where she wanted to go in life. I mean, she was literally 22 years old, so all of these thoughts, I feel, are typical for a young adult. In Sydney's BNC interview with Making the Case with Yodit, she stated that her sister was also working a lot of hours during this time frame. As we know, Tony had two jobs, and she was pulling over 40-plus hours during the week. So with all of these things going on in her life, between the issues within her relationship, working a lot, just being a young lady trying to navigate through life, on top of personal things that I'm not going to know, Tony began to experience sadness. Now, it didn't seem like her depression was anything that her loved ones were overly concerned for. Sydney really thought Tony was just going through something no more than your average person. But even though she had her times when she did feel depressed, Tony was still doing her thing. She stayed busy with work. She still enjoyed going out with her friends, especially local concerts. And most of all, she loved going dancing. Tony loved all different types of dancing, but specifically she loved the style called flamenco. And she was actually well known by some people in the city of Pittsburgh for her dancing. So that tells you right there how often she did it and how much it meant to her. On Monday, December 30th, 2019, 22-year-old Tony Turner started out her day typically by going to work. According to NamUs, her hours were from 8 o'clock a.m. to 4 o'clock p.m. After Tony got off, she would then make her way to a place called Dobra Tea, which is a little bohemian-style tea shop in the Squirrel Hill neighborhood, and this is only about five miles away from the area where she worked. So, majority of the timelines that I went through in different articles clock Tony arriving here at this tea shop around 6 o'clock p.m., but she was not there long. An employee who worked at Dobra Tea recalled that Tony came inside, she had some tea, and then she left. She didn't spend a lot of time there. 
And just to mention, throughout this day, Tony was in contact with her sister, Sydney. They were texting each other, and if I recall, they spoke on the phone at one point in time. You know, typical sibling stuff. Once Tony left Doberty, she then hopped on the local bus, and it appears that she began to make her way back home to Hazelwood. Now, from just looking at this on Google Maps, the tea shop is only around two miles away from Hazelwood. So this wouldn't have been a long bus ride at all, give or take only about 15 minutes. And Tony was very familiar with this route. It was something that she did often, so often to the point that she actually knew the bus driver that was working that shift on that evening. According to this bus driver who would speak to Sydney and later on authorities, Tony seemed down during her time on the bus. Him and her had a brief conversation before she left, which was around 6.30 p.m. And this is where she got off at her usual stop of Gidding Street. But after Tony gets off of the bus, which the driver says he was a witness to, she was never seen or heard from again. Sometime after 8.30 p.m. that evening, which was around two hours or so after Tony was last seen, a young biker was riding along the Homestead Grays Bridge when they stumbled upon something that looked totally out of place. This person came across a purse, a pair of shoes, and this ceramic figure piece all along the pedestrian sidewalk. Because these items were clearly in an unusual spot, the biker realized that they could be of importance and they decided to bring them home and show them to their father. The father, who Sydney mentioned happened to be a local firefighter, he then began to go through these personal items to see if he could identify them and bring them back to its owner. Inside of the purse, the father would find some keys, a phone, a water bottle, along with a diary. He then went through the phone that was in there, and after making a call to her aunt, it was determined that all of these items belonged to 22-year-old Tony Turner. Sydney told the Red Rum Blonde podcast that she went to retrieve her sister's items from their aunt the following day. And this is kind of when she started to realize that Tony had not been in contact with anyone since she had last spoke to her which was reported to be around 6 o'clock p.m. the day before. And this would have been around the time that Tony arrived to the tea shop. But in this moment, Sydney didn't want to be super alarmed, as she went on to say that her sister was no stranger to losing or leaving her cell phone behind. But what Sydney did find very strange was the fact that Tony never showed up to work that day. And then there's her purse that contained her keys and diary, and they were just laying around near Homestead Gray's Bridge. And just to give you guys an idea, um, when I was looking at this on the map, and this is if you're, you know, not a Pittsburgh listener or not familiar with Pittsburgh, Homestead is going in the opposite direction of Hazelwood, which is where Tony was living. So this was rather odd that her items were even found in this vicinity. After Sydney received her sister's things, she began to feel more concerned. So she decided to go to Tony's apartment to make sure everything was okay, although she was a little fearful at this point. However, when she arrived, 
everything in the home seemed normal, but Tony was not there. I haven't found any indication that her boyfriend was there either. I'm not sure where he was exactly, but because of that, it's not like Sydney was able to get any information from him about where her sister might be. Sometime after all of this, Sydney and eventually authorities would go through Tony's diary just to check and see if they saw anything telling or suspicious. But the only thing that they really found were entries about how she had been feeling lately. What Tony was basically writing gave Sydney the indication that she was feeling down and sad lately, but this was nothing that Sydney already didn't know. Tony's family members filed a missing persons report for her with the Pittsburgh police. And when people in the community began to catch wind about her disappearance, so many of them, including people Tony knew and just concerned civilians, came together to spread awareness about her vanishing. In the meantime, law enforcement was said to have questioned people in the early stages of their investigation, but no publicly named suspects or persons of interest have been made known. Now, going back to the location where Tony's items were found at the Homestead Grays Bridge, as I mentioned, if one was to leave the Dobra Tea Shop in Squirrel Hill, this was in the opposite direction of Hazelwood, where Tony's apartment was, and where she was reportedly going after she left there. Then you already had the bus driver that reported he saw Tony last when she got off at her usual stop by her house. So the question here is how did Tony get from Hazelwood to Homestead and why? Also, did she even get there at all? Homestead is only about a two mile radius from Hazelwood, so not far, but there are no reports of Tony on another bus, so it is an idea that maybe she would have walked there. Her sister, Sydney, is concerned by this theory, though, because she does not feel Tony would have made that stroll in the middle of winter in Pittsburgh at that, which would be about a 30 to 35 minute walk. And she doesn't understand the connection as to why Tony would go there anyway. We also have to keep in mind that her shoes were found. This is late December on the Northeast Coast. I mean, and reality is she wouldn't just not need her shoes or something on her feet during this time. Very early on after Tony went missing, one of the biggest perceptions that began to circulate within her community was that she may have committed suicide. But this was something that Sydney and a lot of other people who knew her didn't believe happened. Although she was going through so many different changes and expressed that she was feeling depressed about certain things going on, some people didn't feel like Tony took her own life. In her interview with radio station KDKA's Lynn Hayes Freeland, Sydney stated that after about a week into her sister's disappearance, Tony's wallet was found and it mysteriously appeared under a missing persons flyer of her. She went on to say that the wallet was not wet as if it was in the water, but law enforcement was hoping to run it for some type of fingerprints, which I don't know if there were any updates on that. Tony's information was entered into NamUs in the days after her family filed a missing persons report, 
And this, you know, helped spread awareness about her case. And once people were learning of this, so many supporters came out to help look for her in the weeks, months, and now years after she was last seen. Sydney and her loved ones have expressed how grateful they are for the community's effort in trying to find her baby sister. And even though she had so many people backing her up, there was still no updates within the investigation and there still really hasn't been. Yes, people were interviewed and questioned by law enforcement, but Sydney stated to the Black News Channel how she felt there could have been more of a sense of urgency on the police's end, as opposed to how residents of the city were so invested. With feeling like her sister's case was not reaching a wider audience, Sydney and her family sought assistance from an organization that you hear me mention in quite a few episodes called Black and Missing. This is a nonprofit org dedicated to helping families of color get the proper resources that they can for their missing loved ones. Black and Missing also has a huge platform that can reach so many people, and they are very helpful in a lot of cases, more specifically underreported ones, which is why they even started the work that they do in the first place. Searches, vigils, and even dance parties were held in the years after Tony went missing. And one thing that I found to be telling was that so many different people from different walks of life came together for her. A mural was even created, which still sits on a building in the Pittsburgh neighborhood of Hazelwood up until this day. So Tony is most definitely someone who the community is making sure that no one can forget and that people are saying her name. And I feel they've made it very clear that no one will give up on searching for her. As far as speculation and theories in regards to Tony's case, there are really only three things. The first one is that Tony left on her own. Sydney mentioned there have been a few sightings of what looked like her in different places, but after Pittsburgh authorities followed up on these leads, nothing ever led them to Tony. This is a young lady who was born and raised in Pittsburgh. Did she want to leave all that she knew and the people she loved behind just to relocate? I personally don't know, but it is something that still lingers. The next theory, which I already mentioned a little earlier, was that Tony may have committed suicide on the Homestead Grays Bridge. People speculate that she was more depressed than others thought. She was going through so many changes, a breakup, which is already tough, and then just trying to find herself and where she wanted to go in life. Now, although her sister may have had her moments where she was having a hard time mentally, Sydney does not feel Tony took her own life. And I get this, she would not be the first family member or the last to maybe not be aware of how much someone you know is struggling inside. Depression comes in all sizes, all shapes, and all forms, y'all. Some people are able to put a smile in their face, some people are able to pretend, and then you have some people that do wear their feelings on their sleeve. But overall, you just never know what someone is going through, period. Like, depression does not discriminate. 
But the biggest discrepancy with this theory is that the Monongahela River, which is the body of water directly around this bridge, it was searched by law enforcement and they have not come across Tony or anything indicating that she was even in there. And just continuing to add to this, about six months before Tony went missing in June of 2019, the body of a young mother was found in the Monongahela River from an apparent suicide. The woman that lost her life was recovered within two hours of her jumping, but I bring this up only because not only was she found quickly, but multiple passerbys came forward after saying they saw her there before it happened. The Trib Live article that I read pertaining to this incident stated the woman was last seen on the bridge around 7.20 p.m. Give or take, this is not too far off from the timing of when Tony's items were discovered. And if we are going by this timeline, Tony could have went missing anywhere between the hours of 6 p.m. and 8 o'clock p.m.-ish. We know the bus driver said she got off around 6.30 p.m., so let's say she did decide to walk to Homestead Grace Bridge from her stop by her home. There are no reported sightings of anyone seeing her, and this was around a 35-minute walk or so that she would have had to take. Also, it was a Monday. I would assume people were still getting off of work around this time, but it's, I guess, not impossible for no one to not see her either. I don't know. And just to add to that, I haven't been able to find in my research any mention of surveillance details on maybe the bus or even if there were any traffic cameras nearby. And one may question this. If we are bringing up the shoes that were found with the rest of her belongings on the sidewalk, some could see this as peculiar and obvious that a perpetrator is involved and they left these items behind. Then, some could see it as if Tony did sadly commit suicide, she could have just decided to leave these items behind for her own personal reasons. But with all of these questionable variations, the suicide theory may not be the case here, which leads me to the last theory, and that is that Tony could have met with some type of foul play or she may have been taken against her will. Again, this is a highly suspected speculation that unfortunately there are no answers to at the moment, and as of today, there has been no reported evidence which backs that up. Tony Turner was last seen in the Hazelwood area of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I will post a photo to my Instagram, but she is 5'2", weighs approximately 130 pounds. According to the Charlie Project, she was last seen wearing a black zip-up jacket, a gray shirt with orange lettering on the back, gray cargo pants, and possibly a black head wrap. She would be 25 years old today. Anyone with information pertaining to her disappearance is encouraged to contact the Pittsburgh Police Department at 412-323-7800.